Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Calhoun, Chapter 5. Abby was miserable by the time they got home. She'd done nothing but think of Calhoun in the model. Justin had been kind, talking as if she were really listening to him, but she was relieved those... Relieve, reliving those few temptuous minutes in Calhoun's Jaguar when he come so close to kissing her and then had insulted her so terribly. She didn't understand his hot and cold attitude on, or his irritability. She didn't understand anything anymore. Justin parked his elegant black Thunderbird in the garage and Abby was surprised to find Calhoun's Jaguar already there. Well, well, look who's home, Justin murmured, glancing at me. I guess he felt like an early night. Maybe he was exhausted, Abby said coldly. Justin didn't comment, but he seemed highly amused and smug about something. Calhoun was in the living room with the brandy bottle when they got home. He was down to his white shirt sleeves, which he rolled up to his elbow. His shirt was almost completely open in front, and Abby had to bite her lip to keep from staring helplessly at the broad exposed expansion of his muscular chest. He was the most sensuous man she'd ever known. So powerful and tall and huge. Just the sight of him made her body single. So, you finally brought her home. Count shot his brother. Did you, do you know what time it is? <laughs> sure, Justin said imperturbably. It's two o'clock in the morning. What were you doing? <laughs> Justin cocked an eyebrow. Oh, riding around and things. Not Abby. He said and winked at her before he turned and went up the staircase. Abby felt as if she'd been perplexed. Now, why had Justin said that? It had made Karen look frankly murderous. She cleared her. I think I'll go up, too. She started to run, only to have her arm caught by huge warm fingers being pulled into the living room. Cowan slammed the door behind him, his chest teeming with rough breasts. His dark eyes were really black now, glittering, dangerous, and his sensual mouth was a thin, grim line. Where were you? He demanded. And doing what? Justin's 37, and he's no boy. She stared at him blankly. The sudden attack had knocked the wind out of her for a minute, but then her temper came to the, to the rescue. Now... That blonde you were out with was no school girl either, she replied as calmly as she could. Even though her knees were, knees were shaking under her, she leaned back against the door for support. His heavy brows through my private life is none of your business, he said defensively. Of course not, she agreed. You've already said that you didn't want me hanging around you like a lovesick calf, and I'm doing my best not to. She added, although it hurt terribly to try to make light of the hurtful remark, his heavy shoulders made a jerky movement as he looked her, looked at her in a way again, as if he, if her answer made him come comfortable. Justin's too old for you. Bull feather, she replied, lifting her chin. You've objected to every other man I've ever gone out with, but you can't object to your own brother. Justin would never hurt me, and you know it. <laughs> he did know it, but that didn't help. He was dying at the thought of having Justin together. Oh, for God's sake, he burst out, lost for words. She took a steady breath, though her heart was still doing a tango in her chest. Why should it matter to you what I do, she challenged. And you're a fine one to sit in judgment on other people. My gosh, Calhoun, everybody in the world knows what a playboy you are. He glared at her, trying to keep his humor. I'm not a playboy, he said to her. I may day women occasionally. Every night, she returned, even though she knew her assertion wasn't completely true. She was too angry to split hairs. Not that I mind. 
Shadow with a cold smile. I don't care who you go out with. As long as you stop poking your nose into my business. All they do my please, Cowan. Hoon. And if you don't like it, you know what you can do. <laughs> he started to tell her what she could do, but before he could get the words out, she jerked the door open and gone out and up the staircase. If you stay out until two o'clock in the morning again, with or without Justin, you'll regret it. Cowan yelled up the stairs. Abby made a sound that almost drove him crazy. He muttered something obscene and went back into the living room, slamming the door so hard it shook the room. Damn woman. <laughs> he could have screamed at the effect she was having on him lately. She was ruining his love life. Running his ruining his business life. All he did was think about her damn pretty breasts. Abby cried herself to sleep. It had been a rotten evening altogether. And every time she thought of Cowan kissing that model, she got sicker. She hated him. She hated every bone in his body. She most especially hated his possessiveness. She had to find an apartment. She had to get away. After tonight, it was going to be just plain horrible, trying to stay in the same house with Calhoun until her birthday. The next morning, she slept late. She usually got up and went to church, but this time she played hooky. She didn't want to risk running into Calhoun. But as it was, there was nothing to worry about. When she finally went downstairs at lunchtime, wearing jeans and a beige knit top, her hair in a ponytail, Calhoun was nowhere in sight. Good morning. Justin sat from the head of the table, smiling faintly. How did it go last night? Don't ask, she groaned. She sat down and glanced nervously at the table. Is he here? Shook his head. Filled his cup with coffee, then passed the caffeinate to Abby. Really? Are you still asleep? He said that was surprising because Calhoun was usually up early. Justin actually grinned then. What happened? He thinks I should be in between two, between two o'clock in the morning. I should be in before two o'clock in the morning, even if he isn't, she said calmly. And you're too old for me, she added with a fake grin. I am. He said, what else? He's going crazy, Justin, she said. I don't know what's gotten into him, lady. He can't. It can't be his love life. His models seem to be more than willing. She had a Caitlin. Justin looked at her, but he didn't reply. He poured cream in his Oh, I almost forgot. Misty phoned. Something about having an apartment. She wanted you to look at today if you wanted to go with her. Yes, I think I do, she murmured with a cold glance at the staircase. You know, I don't approve of Misty as your prospective roommate, Justin told her honestly. But it's your decision. You're a nice man. I'm glad you think so. Obviously, my brother thinks I'm as big a rake as he is. He chuckled. Thank God you are, she said. One in the family is enough. If you're going out, you better wear a jacket, just one. I stepped out to get the paper and almost froze in place. Happy side again. And they keep saying spring is just around the corner. She finished her breakfast and called Misty to tell her she'd be right over. Then she returned to her room to get her burgundy velvet or her jacket. She was looping the last button when she turned to the open door. Found Calhoun stayed in there, looking at her broadly. He just showered. He was bare-chested, and his blonde hair was damp. But Abby's eyes stopped at his brawny chest in helpless appreciation of the sheer masculinity of him. He leaned idly against the door jamb, and muscle rippled under the wedge of thick brown hair, and that ran down into the wide belt around his slender hips. He didn't smile. His dark hairs had heavenly circles around underneath him. He looked as tired as Abby felt. Where are you going now? he asked coldly. Out to look at apartments, she said carelessly. In a little over two and a half months, I'll be needing one. How does Justin feel about that? 
He asked, his eyes narrowing, narrowing angrily. Justin isn't the one who's trying to keep me in a cage, she replied. She was tired of the whole thing of his unreasonable anger and even of Justin playing Cupid. Look, Justin just took me out for a meal. He didn't park the car and try to make love to me. He isn't that kind of man. And you should be ashamed of yourself for thinking he is. Justin's like a brother to me. Just as you are. She finished with running her eyes. I don't have romantic thoughts about either one of you. And that's a damn lie. He said in a cold tone. He jerked away from the door, slamming it behind him. Bringing her shocked eyes to him as he advanced toward her. I'm no more your brother than I'm your great uncle. She backed up onto a chair, swerved, and made it to the wall. He looked dangerous, and she didn't know how to handle this lightning mood switch. Switch. That's what you want me to be, she said accusingly, pressing against the cold wall. You want me to be a kid's sister and not get in your way or make eyes at you. My God, I don't know what I want anymore. He ground out as he placed his big hands on either side of her head. His body too close, too sensuous, too deliciously masculine. The cinnamon filled her nostrils, excited her senses. She could see the tiny golden tips of the hair on his chest now, glittering in the light, glittering like the dark, intent eyes that caught her to know. Calhoun, I have to go, she said, her voice faltering. Why, he asked. She could see him breathing. His chest rose and fell roughly, as if he were having a hard time getting air in and out. She felt that way herself. He was too close. And her vulnerability was going to start showing any minute. She couldn't bear to have him see her weakness and make fun of it. Stop it, she was grasping close her Damn you, stop. Oh? He had her mouth under his so smoothly and easily that her heart seemed to stop beating. He wasn't gentle either. It was as if the feel of her soft body under his made him wild, made him hungry. In fact, he was starving for her. He leaned down so that his hips, hips and thighs were fully against her, so that his bare chest was against the value of her jacket. He didn't like not being able to feel her breast, so he snapped open the buttons of the jacket, pushed the material aside. He felt her gasp as her breast pressed against him, and he groaned, marveling at the warm softness of her, nudging her lips apart. He nipped sensuously at the lower one. That was arousing, too. And he wanted her. He wanted her mouth as he wanted her soft, sweet young body. His tongue pushed into her mouth, past her lips, tangled with her own. And he groaned and gave her his full weight, pressing her against the wall. Abby was frightened. She hadn't experienced anything quite so dull, and she'd never been kissed by anyone who had any expertise. Calhoun was experienced, and he was kissing her as if he knew all the answers, too. But she didn't. The feel of his body in such an unfamiliar intimacy was embarrassing. And his mouth was doing shocking things to her own. She pushed out his chest, afraid of his lack of control. No, she whimpered. He barely heard her. His mind was spinning, his body in torment. He managed to lift his head, breathing roughly, and looked down at her. The passion and delight he had expected to see in her pale eyes was missing. They were wide, not with desire, with fear. He scrowled. Her hands were on his chest. They were pushing, not caressing, and she was crying. Abby, he was ready. Honey. Let me go, she said. Oh, let me go. She pushed him again harder. This time he flaxed his hands against the wall and pushed away from her, leaving her cold, empty. She moved past him, putting half the length of the room between them. So that, that was what passion felt like. She shivered a little at the memory. Her mouth hurt where his hand 
ground against it, and her breasts were sore from the hard pressure of his chest. He hadn't even tried to be gentle. She stared at him accusingly, her eyes bright with tears as she drew her jacket closer and shivered. Count fellows if you've been hit in the head with a hammer. Her reaction hadn't been anything like what he expected. He almost kissed her once before. She'd been yielding, then willing, but now she looked as if she hated him. He hurt me. She whispered shakingly. He was lost for words. Concerned, he stared at her, his dark eyes quiet on her worn face. She looked as if she had been a, never experienced a man's passion. Was that possible? Could any woman be that unawakened in this day and age? Haven't you ever been kissed? He asked softly. Of course I have, she replied to me, but not, not like that. His eyebrows went up. At last he was catching on. My God, he said, Abby, a doll's kiss that way. And I don't want to be an adult, you turkle, calling. Not if I have to be mauled like that. He watched her turn and leave the room, and he was powerless to stop her. Her reaction had floored him completely. He expected her to know a little about lovemaking, at least, but she seemed totally innocent. She never known a deep kiss of the, or the intimacy of a man's body. She would have pleased him, but he found it irritating that she thought he mauled her. By God, he should have let her go out with Myers. Then she knew what it was to be mauled. He left the room and closed the door, his expression thunderous as he heard her footsteps going down the staircase, and then her muffled goodbye to Justin. Cowan went back to his own room. He was breathing roughly, and his heart wouldn't beat properly. He felt hot all over, frustrated, furious. Damn Abby and her soft body. It was driving him out of his mind. He went into the bathroom and turned on the shower. Well, it was a good thing she didn't like his kisses because hell would freeze over before she ever got another one. Abby was blissfully unaware of Calhoun's thoughts. She climbed into her car and started it with hands that were still trembling. How could Calhoun have hurt her like that he, if he cared about her? He just proved him how little she meant to him. He only been interested in his own pleasure, not hers. Well, he could go back to his blondes for all she cared. She was sure she hated him now. Misty was already dressed and waiting when Abby got to the colonial mansion. The older girl shared with her parents. Missy took them to town in her little sports car, and for once, Abby didn't mind the wind. Might blow away her misery. Just thinking about Cowie's rough treatment made her miserable. She loved him, and it hurt terribly that he could treat her that way. But she had to pretend that nothing was wrong so that Misty wouldn't start asking questions that Abby didn't want to answer. They parked in town and went to the first address on Missy's list. It was an apartment above a sweatshop on the corner across from the bank. Misty didn't like the place because there was only one bedroom and she wanted her privacy. Abby deliberated, but, but the implications of the remark in the back of her mind and added that she didn't like the view. It was too close to the center of town. There was a good deal of traffic on Saturday night. The second place they were went was just right. The room being rented was upstairs in a private house owned by a Miss Simpson, who was friendly and bright and welcoming. That turned Misty off completely. She didn't want an old busybody watching out for her. But Abby was rapidly coming into the conclusion that Misty was going to do some entertaining once they were on their own, and her association with the Bounders made her balk at the thought of Misty's plan. I'll take it, she told Miss Simpson. If you don't mind having just me instead of both of us, and if you aren't in a hurry for me to move in, it will be a few weeks. That will work out fine. I'm going off to my sister's for a week or so anyway. Miss Simpson smiled broadly. Her blue eyes lined up. My dear, I'd be delighted. She leaned forward while Misty was still upstairs grumbling about the lack of privacy. Your friend seems very nice, mind you, but I'd rather old-fashioned. So am I, Abby whispered, put her finger to her lips when Misty came downstairs again. No, I'm sorry it won't do, she said. I have the perfect solution, Abby told her. I'll take this one and you take the other one. It'll be great. We can visit each other and we'll both have our, our privacy. Missy raised an eyebrow. Well, it might be nice at that, but 
You said you wanted a room with me. Miss Simpson excused herself, asking Abby to phone her later about a date for moving in. Abby moved with Miss Tizor. Let's face it, she told her. You want to entertain men, and I'll have Calvin and Justin over me. All over me if they find out about it. I'm sure you don't want them on your case. Misty shuddered delightedly. Are you kidding? Calhoun, maybe, but not Justin. That man doesn't have a humorous bone in his whole body. I remembered how amused Justin had been about Calhoun's behavior, but she just nodded her head. Let's have coffee, Missy suggested. She drove them back into town in a little sports car and parked beside the bank. Two women had just gotten out of the car when Tyler Jacobs and his sister Shelby came around the corner looking somber and disturbed. Abigail, Tyler, Shelby, how are you? <sighs> this isn't a good time to ask, Shelby sighed, but she smiled. She was a dish. Short, dark hair framed her elfin face, and she had eyes that were an odd shade of green, almost glassy in color. Her mouth was perfect, and she was tall. She wouldn't have made a fortune as a model, but her parents wouldn't have heard of such a profession for their only daughter. Tyler was like a sister in color, and he had thick, dark hair, almost black and an olive complexion, the same old colored green eyes. He was as big as Calhoun, but slender, whipcord lean and dangerous looking. He wasn't handsome at all, but he had character, and women usually found him irresistible. Misty turned to see where Abby had gotten to, smiled delightedly at Tyler. Well, hello, she dropped. Fancy seeing you here. Hello, Misty. He said, smiling lazily. You look devastating. As usual, we are two. What are you two doing in town on a Sunday? Looking for an apartment to share. Originally, Abby said, but we wound up with one each across town from the other. I'm written from Miss Simpson, and Missy has a neat place overlooking the bank, right up there. In fact, Missy poisoned across the street and needs decorating, but I can take care of that. Having a, I bet you can. <sighs> Come and have coffee. Coffee with us shall be invited. Tyler needs cheering up. We had a bad blow yesterday, and an even worse one today. Abby looked up at him. He didn't seem resentant and moody, which was totally unlike I'm sorry. Can I help? A little doll, he murmured and touched her hair gently. No, but thanks for the offer. How's Calhoun? Abby averted her eyes. He's fine, I guess. He and Justin are both at home. No problems the other night after Calhoun got you home. Tyler persisted with a teasing smile. Only the usual lecture, Abby said. She managed a shaky smile as all four of them went down the street and entered a small cafeteria. They were quickly seated, and the waitress brought four cups of coffee and a pitcher of cream. Shelby cast a glance at Abby and left softly. You devil, she teased. I just wanted to see how the other half lived, Abby sighed. I did my, help to, my best to help you, Missy said. On the other hand, weren't you lucky that it was Calhoun and not Justin who came after you? Calhoun was a little more easygoing. Not lady, lately, he is it, Abby said tauntingly. The midget of Justin and Shelby became quiet and shy. Abby, fe Abby felt sorry for her. Justin had never gotten over Shelby's defection. He probably never would, and Shelby had to know that. How is Justin? Tyler asked casually. Too casually. He's gonna work and comes home and goes to work and comes home, Abby said as they added cream and sugar to their coffee, Missy. What an exciting life. He's lonely, I suppose, Abby said deliberately. He never goes anywhere. I know somebody else like that, Tyler murmured with a hard glance at Shelby, stiffing relentlessly in her seat. How's the horse business going? Abby interrupted, posing the question to Tyler as he sipped his coffee. Going bust, I'm afraid, he said heavenly. Dad made some bad investments before he died so far. I've managed to meet the payments this month. I've defaulted. His face hurt. I'm going to have to sell Geronimo. Oh, Tyler, I'm sorry, I said, he was your favorite. 
Mine too, Shelby said with a sigh, but we can't keep him and pay off Dad's debt. I don't suppose you want him, Abby. I don't... I don't ride that well, Missy confessed. If I can talk Justin into it, I'd like to have him, Abby said gently. Thank you, Abby. It wouldn't be a good idea, Shelby returned. Justin would got... go right through the roof if you ask him. Like a rocket, Tyler said, smiling at Abby. Uh, no, we'll do it to an agent. We won't have any problem with selling him. I'd rather know he was going to going to that's all some people want a horse strictly for breeding purposes they look at dollars and cents not at the horse itself i've got a cousin in texas misty piped in she's trying to hold on to the ranch all by herself it's a horse ranch she had does that tell you anything he's my enough i'd appreciate it if you put her in touch with me i'll give you your number if you don't mind fine lights gleamed in shelby's back black hair she lifted the cup and finished her coffee Abby wondered at her elfin beauty, thought it strange that a man like Justin could attract such a lovely woman when he wasn't handsome or even very personable. Then Abby remembered how kind he'd been to her in Houston and the way he supported her with Calhoun. On the other hand, maybe it wasn't so surprising that he could attract her. What was surprising was that he ever let her go. It made Abby uncomfortable, thinking about how two people could be so much in love one day and bitter enemies the next. Love didn't last after all. Tyler, we better go. We've got to call Barry Holdman about those bonds and securities we're selling, shall we? said gently. I'm sorry. I'd love to stay in talk. We hardly ever see each other these days, and I guess Justin would burn the house to the ground before he'd let me through the front door to visit you. Tyler said, he holds a grudge longer than any man I've ever known, that's for sure. And without reason. No, shall we plead her to green eyes seeking his? Please don't. Abby owes him her loyalty. Don't put her in the position of having to defend him. Sorry, he said, his green eyes glittering with controlled rage, and he smiled at me. There's a square dance at the dance hall next Friday. How about going with me? Abby hesitated. Justin would be furious, and she didn't like to think about what Calhoun might say or do. He was unpredictable lately. On the other hand, going out with Tyler would show Calhoun that she wasn't going to make eyes at him anymore. Don't do it, Shelby pleaded. Can't you see it? We'll only make things worse. For whom? Tyler Shelby. Could the situation possibly be any worse for you? My God, you're living like a nun. Shelby put her napkin down with calm, steady feelings. The way I live is no one's concern except mine own, she said Abby. Justin would come down on your head like judgment. He isn't the man he was. I'd hate to see you caught in the crossfire. I'm not afraid of him, Shelby, Abby said gently. Not much, anyway. I'm trying to get out from under Calhoun, so Tyler and I would Tyler and I would kind of be helping each other. You see, Tyler told her, and here you were thinking I was doing it to irritate your ex fiance. Well, aren't you? Shelby has challenged you. He lives your chin arrogantly. Maybe. <sighs> Sometimes I wonder if Mom and Dad didn't find you under a cabbage leaf, Shelby Motor. Not a chance, Missy Muse looking up at him now. He's much too big. Tease, he said, flirting lazily with Missy, as he did with most women. But Tyler was deep, like Shelby, and if there was a special woman nobody knew except him, he was discreet about his love life. Justin used to laugh, you know, Shelby told Abby as they walked out together, with Misty and Tyler talking together ahead of him. He wasn't always cold and hard and unyielding, not until I gave him back his ring and made him better. She clutched her purse against her breast. Abby, don't hurt him, she pleaded, her eyes soft and gentle. Don't let Tyler hurt him. He hides it, but he's so vulnerable. I know that, Abby said gently. She touched the taller woman's arm, stung by the look in Shelby's eyes. Yes, she was vulnerable, too, and Abby sensed that. Shelby was still in love with Justin, even now. I'm sorry that things have gone so badly for the both of you. Justin doesn't have women, you know. If you live like a nun, he lives like a monk. There isn't anyone. 
Shelby's lower lip trembled. She looked away, her head tilting to stop a tear from standing. Thank you. She made it huskily. Abby wanted to say more, but the others were waiting impatiently. Ready to go? She called brightly to Missy. Okay, can you keep it under 90? Going home? Honest to goodness, I don't think that car knows any illegal speeds. I'm a good driver, Missy informed Hartley. You just come with me and I'll prove it. So long, Tyler. Shelby. I'll pick you up at 6 on Friday, Tyler told Abby. Or something sexy. She, she curtsied. You better bring a baseball bat when you come to the door and pray that Dustin doesn't have a long cord for his chainsaw. Dangerous games, my friend Missy told Abby as they drove away. Justin won't like it, and he's pretty frightening when he loses his temper. So is Tyler, but they won't come to blows. I'll make sure of it. And what will Calhoun say, Misty added with a quick glance at Abby. Abby felt herself going pale. She could feel all over again the terrifying crush of his mouth, the shattering intimacy of his body. She said, he won't care, she said coldly. Why do it? You're moving out. Isn't that enough of a show of independence for you? No. Abby leaned back against the leather sheet and closed her eyes. We're going out with Tyler. We'll be. Misty sighed and shook her head. Well, I'll remember you in my prayers. Hang on. She pressed her foot down on the accelerator and Abby wondered what the Guinness Book of World Records listed as the top land speed by a wild blonde in a little sports car. Whatever the record was, she thought she held on for her dear life. She bet that Misty could break it. End of chapter 5.